right, everybody, welcome back to the Exploring the Blockchain podcast, where we document our experiences of learning about the blockchain and make it accessible to the average person. My name is Zane. And I'm Josh. Today, we're joined by our great friend, Samuel, who's going to discuss his thoughts on the blockchain, investing in early stage startups, and the direction of the broader Web3 industry. Samuel, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and what got you interested to the space? Thank you, Joshua, and thank you, Zane, for having me on the call. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm uh, currently a scout at SHL Capital and Rebel Ventures. As a scout, what I do is source startups, conduct diligence, construct investment memos, and I also help founders secure partnerships with other founders and pretty much, oh, what I also do is help founders get senior and junior hires for their startups. So just pretty much any help to find me need is where I come in. And I always knew about blockchain, you know, since, to be honest, like 2013. And I only seen it from one lens of an investing aspect. And I always, like the lowest I've ever seen um, BTC, BTC was, I think it was like 350, no, 250 actually. And I said, okay, I should have invested. You have those things, you should have invested early, should have invested later on. but then I seen it rise and I still could understand like the under, underlying technology what is going to be useful down the road. But hey, you know, that's, I guess, what was the entry point of me learning about blockchain. And <clears throat> that's where I said, okay, let me just continue to pay attention to the space. Then I want to say 27, 20, 20, 2017, 2018 is when I, okay, let me really pay attention more because I'm hearing more VC firms are starting to invest in these technologies and really want to bring it to the the community throughout the world so that's when i just you could say more so started paying attention to the space more cool so tell us a little bit about your journey and learning about this there's so much out there and it's it's a little bit technical so how did you start learning did you watch youtube videos did you go on twitter did it start with nfts or how did this whole how did this whole thing happen i'm gonna be honest so i want to say it was 100 twitter you know we read in twitter threads so shout out to the to the majority of I guess you could say tech Twitter that I put out Twitter threads because it's really informative and educational. So I just <clears throat> read a lot of um, Twitter threads. And actually, this was before I actually got into the VC space, you know, like emerge or submerge myself into the VC space. But just, you know, Twitter threads and just continue to learn about the technology and what it was being used for. Then you know, I guess you could say it's a rabbit hole because once you see one Twitter thread, you, you start to see more Twitter threads pop up and more and more pop up. Then you learn about startups. Then you see what startups is utilizing blockchain technology. Then you see use, use cases of that particular blockchain or Web3 startup. So I guess you could say that's that's how I learned. Even though I'm not a technical person, I'll, I'm, I, could, I always research. I always pay attention to what's going on. I'm always reading articles or websites just to pay attention and be updated on what's happening within Web3. Yeah, so you mentioned a little bit about how you learned about the blockchain in general. How did you move that knowledge and then migrate to the, the startup ecosystem? That's, that's a great question. I just look at it as use cases, like is or are people going to want to use this particular startup? Say like a, a DAO, for instance, you know, they have a, an idea they want to bring about like, I always look at it in the sense of how can this community grow? What is the lanes or avenues in order to scale this particular community? How can you onboard more users, or not users, consumers to this community? So I look at it from like that lens and 
to see how a particular startup can grow. And also the use case, if it's, if it's actually useful. And I'm looking at it in my lens too, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that I'm the end all be all, but I like to like love the product and get feedback from other people to see if they, as they use this product, as they interact with this community, do you love it and why? And just go from there. That's just my thoughts on that. that that's some good insight on, on what you look for in, in startups. How is what you look for in a crypto startup, in a Web3 startup, different from what you look for in the, in the traditional Web2 startups? Is there a difference? I'm, yeah, I'm going to be, yeah, because, you know, one thing in the Web2 space, there's a hierarchy, I guess you could call it, CEO and, you know, like one or a few people have decision makings and within the Web3 space, a lot of these startups are you could say community oriented and they can vote on which way they want to see the DAO or the community move forward. So it's, it's definitely different. And, you know, that's based on governance tokens, which I think is a great aspect because a lot of great innovation, like you don't always want uh, one centralized figure to say, okay, this is the way we're going to go because somebody within the community can think of a, a brilliant and amazing idea that the CEO may have not have thought about. And that idea could propel that particular startup or DAO to, you know, astronomical heights. So I believe that this way is, is a great way. And there's a lot of innovation. And also too, you can think of an idea in Web3 and it could come into fruition like very soon, unlike Web2 because the technology is not really there. And if you think about it, it's kind of like when, um, if you ever, you, you know, James Cameron, he was the, the director for Titanic. I could be wrong about the time frame, but I think in the late nineties, he already wrote the script for Avatar, which eventually came out in 2009 reason why it took so long because the technology behind the movie wasn't there. So once technology caught up to his vision, then he immediately put it out in 2009. And I heard that that was the case for why Avatar 2, 3, and 4 has been pushed back so far. And I think Avatar 2 has come out this end of the year because his vision for what he wanted Avatar to be, the technology wasn't there to propel it to the masses. So that's the way I see blockchain and Web3. The, the technology is there. So it just all about, you know, coming up with great ideas and executing behind it. So that's why I love Web3 because literally any idea could come into fruition with hard work, execution, the right team behind it and the right community behind it as well too. So that's what the differences I see. Oh, and I also, sorry to even keep rambling, but no problem. I think it's great because you can say in the Web2 world, like, so my parents are Nigerian and my parents always send back money to family back home. I know at a certain time they used to be, um, MoneyGram and Western Union, which takes a couple of days where now you have blockchain technology, you can send payments right. instantly. And right. the fees that my family members back in Nigeria have to pay is like, the fees are so high, you know? And with blockchain technology, I think it's great. Cryptocurrency, I think it's great. Like you can send a payment instantly and you kind of have did that with Web2, it takes a couple of days, or even bank transfers and things like that. I think. Web3 is going in, in the right space. Even though it's in like a downturn right now, I think it's going, it's going to be in a, in a, in a great space later on, down the road. Uh, one thing you mentioned was DAOs. Can you quickly define what a DAO is and then maybe talk about any use cases or particular um, companies or projects that you're particularly excited about? Um, a DAO is a decentralized autonomous organization. It's a community that has a goal or initiative that they want to accomplish. And it's being governed by its governance tokens. Occasionally you're seeing DAOs raise capital with VC funding or through NFTs. 
just to give an example, like I'm a part of Crowdsouts now, and their goal is to eventually own, have an ownership stake in the NBA. And the way they raised their capital was by an NFT sale through Mirror. They wanted raising, I think about maybe 2.5 million or 2.4 million within a week or so, like a week or less. Of course, throughout this journey so far, it's been about six months. It's a lot of iteration that has been done, but the, the, the long-term goal is to own a percentage ownership stake within Krauss DAO. And if you have both NFT, you get a certain amount of governance tokens, which is called Kraus. And you can vote on every single initiative that you want to see the Kraus House DAO execute. Um, I'm curious a little bit about uh, your, your, what your day-to-day looks like. Um, gotcha. how, yeah, how did, you, how did you find, you know, how did you get interested in, in sort of being a scout and then looking for this type of things? What do you do? Uh, is, is the day mostly researching startups? Is it talking to founders? Gotcha. What does that look gotcha. like? Gotcha. All right, so I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to the first question and I'm going to go to my day-to-day. No problem. So I'm going to be honest. So we in 2022, I can say four or five years ago, no, like six years ago, I didn't know about VC. You know, that's just like, I'm from New York originally and now I live in LA, but I didn't know about like the VC landscape. But um, I moved to LA in 2018 to open up a sneaker store. So sorry if I'm going to go off talking for about five minutes, but um, moved to LA to open up a sneaker store. And I met so much people that wanted to like um, buy sneakers, but I could never find somebody to supply the things that I wanted or the amount that I needed actually. So I met a lot of different people that wanted to buy hundreds of pairs of sneakers from anywhere from 10 pairs or 100 pairs. Could never find somebody that wanted to supply me the amount of sneakers. So I said to myself one day that I know China is where they manufacture sneakers. So I said, okay, I'm gonna go to China. At the time, my cousin was living in New York and he always travels throughout the world. So I asked him, I asked him, does he want to go to China? He said, yeah, why not? So I said, okay, now turn 2019 in March, I went to the Chinese embassy in Koreatown, got my Chinese visa. Then in April of 2019, I flew to Beijing, stayed in, no, I flew to Beijing, then stayed in Guangzhou. And I was going back and forth from Guangzhou to downtown Hong Kong, just Googling like how to translate English to Mandarin and talking to, oh. yeah. So that, that's how I was communicating with people throughout Guangzhou because Guangzhou is more of a native, I guess you could say more people speak Mandarin in Guangzhou than Hong Kong. So just talking to people, trying to figure out where I can find a supplier. And of course too, I've been in the sneaker industry, sneaker space for a very long, so I could tell something's fake. Not so, I just was kind of wary about a lot of sneaker stores, but I stumbled upon a sneaker store in downtown Hong Kong that was authentic and they also could supply the amount that I needed. So I negotiated a deal for 232 pairs of sneakers. Once they got everything, at the location, I was gonna fly back to China. So after the no get the deal was negotiated, flew back to LA. I want to say about a few weeks later, the lady said we can't do this price no more. We have to figure out a new price. I said no problem because I know I got a great deal. I didn't mind, but then the price that she said <clears throat> it was as if I was supposed to purchase purchase two hundred thirty two pairs of sneakers individually off of StockX. I said that doesn't make any sense if I'm buying that large of a quantity. So I said thank you for your time. I appreciate it, but I just. We, the deal doesn't make sense, then just left it at that. So I said to myself, let me just start small and build my way up. So in June of that year, I flew to Dallas, got about 20 pairs of sneakers. Then in July or August of 2019, I flew to um, San Jose. Then I got about um, 10 to 15 pairs of sneakers. And I was 
which I accumulated about anywhere between, I think about 50 pairs of sneakers by the time the summer ended, about 50 to 60 pairs of sneakers by the time the summer ended. At the end of um, 2019, Meta Realtor was going to open a location in Westwood, right on Westwood Boulevard, right next to UCLA. I just figured it's a great location. I, the lease wasn't, monthly lease wasn't too much, but then now comes March, I mean, March 2020, COVID happened. And I've been in LA for a few years now. We all know there's traffic everywhere. You know, like the 110, 101, 405. I was going down these highways and I didn't see no cars in the highway during peak rush hour. I said, like, okay, yeah, something is really going on for me not to see no cars in the highway. So that, like the plan that I had to open up the store, it, had, it just was stopped because everywhere was closed. So since I had a lot of time now, I was like, okay, I think right now it's time for me to pivot towards VC because I always wanted to do it, just didn't have the time to sit down and actually like understand what's happening within the VC space. So just me being naive, I was applying to different firms. Then I stumbled upon Rebel One. They had an intensive training program within their VC, applied, got interviewed twice, then got a, um got accepted. Then, you know, I think the, the program was great because, you know, I didn't, certain intricacies that I didn't know of VC, like term sheets, cap tables, how to source diligence. It was very helpful. And then right away I was learning and putting it into practice. So that's what I've been doing since 2020. Um, and my day-to-day -day is talking with founders over Zoom, hand their details about their startup and seeing how I could be of help, whether it's if my firm, like I'm always gonna send deals to my manager partner and hopefully they invest. But if not, I know a lot of VCs and a lot of angel investors where I always share the deals or let them know the deals that I, that I just encountered or the founders, the founders that I just met. And I just send the deals over and, you know, sometimes they invest, sometimes they don't. But I'm always trying to be helpful to the founders and, you know, just putting their start in front of VCIs, whether it's that or if they look for resources, engineers, developers that they're looking to hire. I'm always connecting them with engineers or developers or, or founders that have platform that host these engineers and developers. Or just the other day, helping the founder get a partnership with an influencer or an agency, just helping them connect them with these entities as well. So just being a help. And also too, you know, whatever you gotta stay, you know, you gotta pay attention, you gotta stay updated. So I'm always on Twitter, just researching new startups and industry news about what's happening, new ideas. And I'm also always thinking about how ways things to get innovated as well too. Cause I think in the next couple months and years, you're gonna see a lot of industries, which we're already seeing now, you're gonna see a lot of industries utilizing Web3 technology, you know? So just always thinking about how things could be different and researching online, you know, new topics. So, you know, Twitter is like a travel. You see one thing and then you're gonna see 10 more, you know? So just reading and paying attention. Also when I have time, go to events in person, meet founders, have meetings, you know, go to founder events, founder slash investor events, you know? So I guess you say that's my day to day. Yeah, you mentioned the importance of community and you mentioned through Twitter, there's a lot of great um, rabbit holes and tech technology Twitter um, that provides some great insights through uh, threads and different things. Mm -hmm. um, what's the importance of building a community in this Web3 space? Oh, the importance is I think your community is everything. Your community is gonna let, you, let the world know like, like we are great, like we have, you know, we have a great idea that we want to push to the masses. Like we want to push our initiatives forward because we have 
you know, like great ideas and also it can help the world. That's the way I see it. And I think without the community is nothing. And I think the community within Web3 is everything. Because if you, Josh, would come out with a clothing line, right? And you create a clothing line for the community and we all purchase your, your clothing line, all your sneakers, we're going to say these sneakers are fly, these sneakers are great, they're amazing. And we're going to push that to the world. And everybody's going to look, what, what, where is these sneakers coming from? What community is that? They're just going to hear about it. And, you know, and I think the community also, too, is great because in the DAO sense, you could take ideas, not take, but you can use the community's ideas to even push your goals further. And that's what I love, too, because, like, they could, there's so much brilliant people all over the world and they don't have the avenues to express it or it for it to reach the masses. And I believe that, you know, like these communities are, are going to be big difference makers in the world because there's a lot of innovation happening. A lot of people are, you know, it's a lot of light being shined on these communities. And I believe these communities are going to go far. You know, that's, that's my thoughts on it for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I read somewhere, uh, someone said community is the differentiator. Community is it what is. sets you apart. I believe it. I believe it. I hundred percent believe it. Cause it's like, it's, they're going to rally behind it. the founders of the DAO. They have to make sure that, you know, you always listening to the community. You know, if the community say we should do it this way, then lean towards the community. Of course you should, and this all goes, comes down to a vote too, but it's, a, you should always listen to the community, you know, like always put the ideas in the forefront, you know, and, just always, you know, like believe in your community and push your community as well too, you know? So I love the DAO space and I, I believe yeah, the community is definitely, it's 100% key. A lot of the older generation tends to see crypto as scams or are afraid to put any of their money in because it's too risky or they don't understand it. So mm -hmm. I think that's a big gap. No, don't get me wrong. There's scams all over the place. There's scams with fiat dollars and there's scams with crypto. We, we know that, but it's like, it's, it's great innovation and it's helping move society forward in my in, in my particular like sense. I, I think it's great, but I think regulation is needed because there's no way where a stable coin or a company that says it's a stable coin is can go from having a lot of capital to zero. You know, something was wrong there where they use the mechanics to say that yeah, it's backed by a dollar when which it really wasn't. So once it gets regulated, they're coming in now to see how they can how they can regulate stable coins. I think the whole crypto space will be in a much better place. Yeah, you're right. And I think even you'll find people who are super into this space, super progressive, super mm -hmm. you know, into innovation. They also agree that regulation is necessary. So I think it we've gotten to a point where yeah. it's not should we have regulation or should we not? It's what's the right kind of regulation. Yeah. And electing the people and getting the people in government who are able mm -hmm. to understand the technology yeah. to be able to put that regulation in place. No, you're 100% right. I think last week, um, Senator Loomis and Senator Gillibrand, I think... Um, from Wyoming and New York, respectively. They proposed the bill, which they I've been hearing. It might not get passed, but it's just to put it out there that this is the way we want it to go. And of course, like I'm hearing maybe next year, it might be more of a favor for it to pass, but they hoping to um, for tokens to be recognized as commodities and not securities, which I think is makes a lot of sense because as we all know, like a lot of tokens are for governance purposes. You know, it's not really for in the security aspect. So I think it should be recognized as a commodity, but you know, who knows? And of course, I think another um, like bill or a lot another quote she put in the bill is to say that DAOs should pay taxes. I mean, 
I think it makes sense for Dallas to pay taxes. You know, I don't see why they wouldn't. But, you know, I think eventually they're going to have to, especially if they're making a lot of income. I think that's inevitable. Something else she, she put inside the bill where people don't have to pay. Um, like if you make $200 off of crypto or under, you wouldn't have to pay any kind of income tax, which I think makes a lot of sense or something to that sense. One final question for you. Thank you for all the great responses so far. No problem. Um, you have you said you entered in 2020 um, when COVID was just happening. You've seen like great dips, great ups, great downs. How has you've seen these startups like kind of change when there's a ton of money in the market versus when the money kind of dries up? Okay, so I, in, in the sense of startups, when the money was up, it's like everybody's raising, every, everybody's wants to raise. In 2021, at the end of 2020 and throughout 2020, you've seen a lot of startups raising a lot of capital, high valuations. You know, it, it was a great time, you know, but and in, in now when it's a downturn, it's like a lot of founders, not going to say a lot, but some founders get discouraged that they can't raise. But I, I, I always seen that if you have a great product and a great idea and a great startup and a great team behind it, you're going to raise like this ton of investors that are still deploying capital at this moment. So like during 2020, I, I guess you could call it a frenzy and the amount of capital um, that founders are raising, the seed rounds, pre-seed rounds, like the amount of capital that there was even Series A, the amount of capital that, that founders are raising were, were like, I guess you could say record highs and valuations for pre-seed, seed and Series A with record highs. And now you're seeing startups come down on their valuation and not raise at, you're not seeing as much startups raise a high valuation and raise high C rounds or high pre-seed round. But you're still seeing startups raise high C rounds. This is the market that we're in. And you're still seeing high valuations as well too, but it's not as prominent as 2021. I love both markets, but the bear markets is great because it's not a lot of noise. And also companies that raise during bull markets and they're starting to dwindle, it's like, Maybe their 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 product or their startup wasn't as I'm not gonna say as useful, but it wasn't as needed maybe at the time, and it just raised money because of the hype that's happening. And you have people raising capital through all different mediums, you know, whether it's NFT collection, just raising because the hype was there. But now you're not seeing that people are starting to like lock in to say, okay, you have to have X. Y and Z or one, two, and three to raise capital for a startup, or you have to ha you have to hit at these points if I'm as a consumer want to deploy capital into the NFT collection. So people are getting more wiser now to what to look for and what to expect. And if you can't hit those certain points, then you're not gonna raise money from VC or or on um, consumers. But I think you know the bear market is great because people that's really there for Web3 and innovation of Web3, even though it's a tough time right now, they're building, they're still building, they're still working. And eventually they're gonna see a brighter tomorrow, which is you know, soon, down the road, you know, but right now is a definitely a great time for people that really want to build in the space because a lot of noise and it's more clearer, you know, like you don't, you're not getting caught in the hoopla of having 20% interest rates, you know, like, I mean, interest on the money you invested in, whether that's through Anchor or Celsius, you know, but it's a great time to, to, to build great companies right now and great NFT collection as well, too. Awesome. Uh, I think that's a great note to leave it off. I think that's one of the beautiful things about the market is that if you're if you're there for the long run, if you're building a great product, you're listening to customers, 
it shouldn't matter too much. You know, you should you should it continue won't. building and you'll and you'll make it through. You're right um, about that. Cool. Samuel, thank you for your time. I'm sure people will find this super valuable. Um, we, this is why we started this, just to talk to people and and listen to what people are doing and, and help people learn more about the space. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for having me, Joshua. Yeah. I appreciate it.